Remember the first time you saw a race car on an open trailer? Maybe it was full of dirt, tire marks, and other battle scars. You wondered where it had been, and more importantly, where it was going next. Every open trailer has a story, and we're here to tell it. Welcome to the Open Trailer Podcast. This time out on Open Trailer Podcast, it's our second three-generation episode. Last season, we featured three Alexanders, Bob, Brett, and Wyatt. And this time out, it's all three Babs. Now, there are more than three Babs. But this one will feature Brad Babb, his dad Bobby, and one of the OGs of racing in Maine, Bob Babb. And I love these old stories of how people that we look up to and hold in such high regard really had no idea what they were doing when they were doing it. And Bob Sr. has a really cool story on how he came to Beach Ridge and uh, became a racer, became a champion, how his backup car beat him, and that wasn't so fun. We get into some of Bob's racing as well in Stage 1, and uh, I'm really glad we did this one. It's cool to be able to document three generations in one. Open Trailer Podcast is a product of Maine Vintage Race Car Association. Subscribe to us for $2 a month. Less than $2 a month. You can become a member and help us support racing in the state of Maine. And while this podcast is a labor of love and a free service to you, as uh, Maine's former governor, Paula Page, said, free is expensive to somebody. And while I wouldn't say this is expensive, there are costs that are incurred with the podcast. And to help defer these, if you'd like to support it and become a member of our Patreon army, it's patreon.com slash opentrailerpodcast. Every single cent that is raised through the Patreon goes directly back into the podcast, into the production, into the equipment, and just the overall marketing product, the whole thing. Again, that's patreon.com slash opentrailerpodcast. This one's a real treat. The Babs, stage one on Open Trailer Podcast. And it's rare that we have three generations of racers uh, three generations of racing isn't rare, but to have them all in the same room and get along and tell their story, uh, that is pretty rare so, rare. so welcome to the welcome to the podcast, uh, Bob, Bobby, and Brad Babb. But I like to know where people come from. Obviously, uh, Bobby, when he grew up, he grew up in a racing family. So did Brad. But Bob, uh, you didn't really grow up in a racing family because there wasn't any racing. That's right. Uh, when does racing start to, to come into your, your mind? I don't really know when it started, for sure. What, what did you like to do when you were in school? Skip. <laughs> <laughs> that, that isn't uncommon. I mean, you, uh, where did you grow up? New Gloucester. So what, what's up with New Gloucester? Do they have Quakers or something? What is that up up there? Don't they have... The Shakers. The Shakers. shakers Not yeah. the Quakers, the Shakers. Yeah. Were you part of those? No. No, they were just old people. Oh. <laughs> no, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets old. There was never any young people up there. Just once in a while, there was a kid in our class that lived there, but he wasn't a Shaker. How big was your class, graduating class? 17. Just a one-room school with eight grades. 
Yeah. That's what school was. Started. So you went to the same classroom every single year? Town got a little bigger or something. They went up to Lower Corner then. Yeah. There were two classes there. Was there one subject that you really looked forward to? No. Did you finish school? Almost. What do you mean almost? Well, well I didn't go the last year. I got six, 15 credits and you had to have 16 to graduate. How come you didn't get that last credit? I didn't want to go back a year for one credit. Yeah. How many um, how many brothers and sisters you have? I got four sisters and one brother. So you, you grew up on a farm in New Gloucester. Uh, what do your parents say when you're like, I'm done, I'm not going to school? She didn't like it. My father didn't care. <laughs> did, now, did he assume that you were going to work on the farm with him? I don't know. No, no I was working the woods part-time then anyways. Uh, is that farm still in existence today? Not as a farm. What is it, part of the highway? No, huh? no, it's still right there. Yeah. A lawyer bought it, and they don't do any farming on it. All right. So you start, um, you start Babbins, so it's, well, it became Babbins Sons Logging. Mm-hmm. But right when you started in, what year are you starting this logging company? I think it was 56 when I got out of school. And why logging? Donnie Chandler was in, on me, in with me back then. And he worked the Oliver store, so we had an Oliver crawler. That's how it more or less started, I guess. What did you use to, to saw wood? Just a regular chainsaw. How many of those did you have? Oh, Remember? I don't know, probably three. It's for the whole company? Yeah. Well, it ain't a big company. Anyway. Right now, it's only Bobby and I. Right. And uh, my other boy drives my truck. How old are you when you start this company? I don't know for sure. <laughs> Well, just right out of right out of school then. Yeah. So probably yeah. like eighteen. Yeah. Well, seventeen because you didn't 17. finish the last year. Did you? Uh, do you ever regret missing that last year of high school? No. Not, not one day. bit. No, not no. What if Brad? Um, you know, when he was growing up in Wyndham. What if? Uh, what if Brad was a junior and was like, you know what? I don't feel like going back. No, he should go back nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> nowadays it's different. Um. So you know, it's like nineteen fifty six. You're um. You know, you're 19, 20 years old, yeah. uh, and racing, where we're really not sure where racing first comes into it, racing into play. Did you, did you go to the races? No, I didn't even go to the races. I don't know why I, why I did. But something has to plant a seed for you to be like, I know nothing about racing. Yeah. I don't care about it. And then, like, no one just magically ends up at a racetrack. Yeah. I did <coughs> somehow with a car. And was this, where was this? Uh, Oxford. For Southern Maine race fans, would probably think Beechridge, but your history is just as strong at Oxford as it is Beechridge, New Gloucester, Wyndham, right in the middle. Why Oxford? I don't know. I didn't even know they had a Beechridge. I think. Well, you probably weren't old enough to race Beechridge at that point. No, were you? I wasn't. I couldn't go. The first time I took my car down, I couldn't drive it. They told you to go home. No, uh, Paul McDonald drove it. So you were a car owner before you were a driver. Yeah, essentially. I it, otherwise, nobody let yeah. me do. Yeah, so you go to Oxford, and this is the the old configuration. No, half mile dirt. Yeah, before they paved it and everything. What was that track like? Rough and dusty. You couldn't see nothing. When you went to another track for the first time, or when you raced on asphalt or any different surface, did it feel like you were? I guess there was nothing. There wasn't a Daytona back then, but it must have felt smoother compared to the old oh, rough surface. But Beechridge dirt then too. When do you show up at Beechridge? Well, I showed up that year, but I couldn't drive the car. Do you remember, some people remember their first race, others don't. Uh, what was your first racing memory with your car? Weren't many good ones at first. 
What happened? I don't know for sure. Like this weren't good enough. It was just something I built. How discouraging is it to, um, you know, to show up to some place time and time again and have all those problems, but still continue to come back? Well, you want to go back. You want to show them you can do it. Really? So it's determination. It's I'll show you. Yeah. And you eventually do. Um, you know, you pick up. Uh, do you, when, when did you pick up your first win? It was at Oxford, but it wasn't even my car then. I drove uh, the Williams brothers. They had cars. People could drive them. And how did you make a deal with them? I don't really know. We're just up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we talked with Russ Nutting a few weeks ago, and he talked about the driver-owner split. You know, nowadays you got to bring 140% to a race team in order to race. But back then, there was a bit of a split between who was going to take the race winnings. Do you remember what yours was? There weren't much winnings to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, as you said you end up winning a race with the Williams. Yes, I did. Yeah, well, do you remember who you beat that day? No. There were names you never heard of anyways. What's the first win that you remember? I can't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you nev- you have to remember at least winning one race. I don't care if you say it's 1988. <laughs> I don't know. I mm. couldn't tell. We'll bring in the second generation here, Bobby Babb. Uh, Bob, you were born in 19 when? 63. So 63. He's cranking probably at, where is he? Where did you go to first go to the races, Beechridge or Oxford? It would be Beechridge. And before you got to the racetrack, were you aware of who your father was and, and what his stature was at the racetrack? I was probably a week old, so probably not. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> so, wow, you went right. Well, you're a summer kid. Right? Yeah. You were born in, in July. So, yeah, you were born right in the meat of the summer. Did you did did you miss the race uh, the night he was uh, born? No, but I won the race. You did? Yeah. See, now that, there's one you yeah. remember. Yeah. What was that day like? Did you take her to the hospital? No, she was in the hospital. Come. Well, I got a race, but yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, you don't skip a beat at all. No. And, um, you know, you start racing basically right out of the womb. When do you start to um, form ideas of racing and, and what that experience is like? Jesus, I, I had gone every single week. Um, I think there was maybe one week that... We were bad at the house during the week and weren't allowed to go, and that we were sitting on the steps crying our eyes out when they left. But Do you remember what he did? Oh, that was my mother's. Uh, oh, you didn't care? You could have gone. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, other than that, we went every single week. I just wanted to do it. Eight, ten years old when I really thought about it. Now, are you helping him out with the race car in the shop? Yeah, we're He's down there. I don't, I don't know how much help we really were, but we were down there all the time. <clears throat> let's uh, let's skip ahead there a little bit. Some of the big races, you know, we've, we talked to Bob Senior about some of his accomplishments and everything. You know, you talk about when you when you started racing, it wasn't real successful right away, but you stuck with it out of determination. And by the mid seventies, which is you know classic Beach Ridge. Uh, you know, your your career, your racing career is humming pretty good, especially in races like the Ottawa's 100. Yeah. You also get a couple of championships, too, yep. in, in those years. Had you always run for points when you were doing the championships? Yeah, they always had points all the time. But some drivers will go strictly for the trophy or they'll only run half a season. Were you focused on points for all of the years that you I, were racing? Yeah, I run all year, every race. And what was it about? the mid-70s that really made the team sing? Just from the years before, I guess. 
The experience? Finally get experience. Mm-hmm. Better cars. Who was the first person that you were surprised who knew you? Walsnam, probably. He lived down the road short ways. Mm. But he was achieving so, so much at the track. Oh, yeah. And did. then when he came up to you, yeah. you get a couple of race cars going at this time. Yeah. Because uh, even though you're a champion racer and you're winning these big races, your backup car is beating you. Yeah. It's hard to do, but that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. What about that AutoWise uh, 100 in, in uh, 1976? I was third that night. Stern went. I led it pretty near all the way. And right near the end, I couldn't hold McCabe and uh, McClure off. Let's talk about that late model sportsman class in the mid-70s. Who are some of the people that are racing every single week beside you? You mentioned, you know, Walston Hume. Russell always did. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Paul Tardiff? There was a lot of them guys there all the time. Well, yeah. the Libby boys were in that class by that time. What's it like to grow up in that in that era? It was it was pretty cool. I, there was some tough drivers back then, mm. you know, a lot of a lot of drivers, good cars. Uh, you know, Rand, Randall was starting to come into it. Yeah, Mike Randall Johnson. Into it. Yeah. I mean, there was. You man, got a lot of Hall of Famers in there. Oh yeah, we, you know, yeah. We, it was. It was good racing back then. Where do you sit in the stands? Um, used to sit just beyond start finish line towards turn one three quarters of the way up was your father well liked by the fans yeah yeah he a lot more than me and brad yeah <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you as a child you don't you're not able to process why you know the guy at home is is the hero that he is and then people don't like him you have, you have any stories like that no most he was he was cheered most of the time. Uh, of course, you had your Homer fans and Walsingham fans that they were loyal to them. Back then, it really wasn't that bad. Both the only one that really got heckled much back then was Walsingham, and he just fed into it. I mean, hmm. they'd throw beer bottles on the track at him, and <laughs> but he loved it. Yeah, you know. One of the things that, that Brad had on some of his race cars was that Wood Chopper 4. And that originally, of course, came from you. It makes all the sense in the world uh, being a logger with that Wood Chopper 4. So as someone who didn't see racing back then, I would imagine that would be the first font that you would have on your race car, the original Wood Chopper 4. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. Where did the number 4 come from? The guy lived next to track down the head is. He told me I could have it. Wardy? Warren Hamilton? Hamilton? Warren Hamilton. I think it was him. Must have been Wardy Hamilton. Yeah. The old man, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had four. I, I had in my mind for years that your number four came from the fact that you're near Route 4. Uh, because there are some drivers that will actually, Nason told me this on, on the podcast, that back in the day they would have their car number as the road that they lived on. Yeah, yeah. Not you, though. No. No? All right. That just theory's blown all apart. <laughs> Wardy Hamilton got it done. Yeah. yeah. But it's always been the number four. Has the family run a different number? Uh, yeah, besides, 124. For uh, that guy West used to hang around. It had the filling station. <laughs> yeah. See, he remembers it. Yeah, he, I don't. You yeah. probably weren't even born. Or something. <laughs> yeah. When did you start to have two cars? Jesus, I don't know what year it was. I built a new one one year, and I had the old one. I 
We had two cars. I had two cars for a long time. Yeah, it was through the 70s. Were you one of the first people to have two cars? I don't really know. So, um, you know, this is the golden era of short track racing we're talking about. You know, you're racing Arundel on Friday, yeah. Beach Ridge on Saturday, and then they're Oxford on Sunday. I did, we didn't do it all the time. Fans were able to go to those racetracks, yep. you know, three big shows in one weekend. Did you race Beach Ridge and Arundel most weeks? Some weeks we did. How do you yeah. set up your race car for Arundel and then change it over to Beach Ridge? Because two completely different surfaces. Well, it was dirt but near back in, wasn't it? Wasn't Beach Ridge still dirt? Yeah, it was yeah. dirt till 85, 86. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, we're talking about like late 60s now yeah. at Arundel. Arundel was always paved as far as I know. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. So how would you set it up for an asphalt track and then be able to change it right over? Enough to do nothing but the tires. Really? Yeah. Oh. I know you have had involvement with the family cars, with Bobby's car, with Brad's car. Do you have any uh, involvement with the super modified team at all that Brad's no. doing? No. Uh, but when he started racing, when Brad started racing, the third generation here, can you watch him drive and see how... The mistakes I used to make. You can see the mistakes that you used to make. <laughs> no, I yeah. used to make. Right. See, I was learning from him. <laughs> yeah. We should just get right back in there. But I'm talking as far as car setup and everything. How much of that is still ap- applicable to today? I know they would do a lot more on setup than we ever used to. So we have a you know we have a rundle on Friday nights. So you're doing well there. Uh, Beach Ridge, you're winning too. And then Oxford, you say you didn't do all the time, but there's probably a reason why you didn't do Oxford. Uh, <laughs> all they, the time. Beatridge and Oxford had points combined. You know, if you run up there, you get the same points you did when you were on a Beatridge. What about the time that you were told to go home? No, he just told me I couldn't race in. Well, no, he didn't tell me I couldn't. He just <laughs> told me I couldn't run my car somewhere else. But you could stay and watch. <laughs> I didn't stay and watch. I no. went on Beatridge. Well, that's interesting because this is all before cell phones. Bobby, you had a very interesting uh, perspective of that day where Bob... <clears throat> Your dad had won on Saturday night at Beechridge and then went to Oxford on Sunday? Well, he had won on the a... The week before. Yeah, he had won huh. on a Sunday at Beechridge. And the following Saturday night, he got up to Oxford. And, of course, no cell phones or anything was sitting in the grandstand. And next thing, his haul is going out through with a car on the back. Yeah. So we followed him home and... He backed up to the garage, unloaded one car, and put the other one on, and went back down to Beatridge and won that night. And what the deal was, Bob Bear told him he couldn't race a, another track. Well, it wasn't even the same day. It wasn't even the same car. But uh, he was going to start last at Oxford the rest of the year, and he didn't start last at Oxford. He went to Beatridge, never went back. Bob, you're, uh, you're one of the first people to receive that memorial blazer. In 1977, which I think everybody should, well, not everybody should own one, but everybody wants to own one. Yeah. Uh, do you still have that kicking oh, around? Yeah. So you said you finished third in that race to your backup car. Yeah. What's that experience like? Hard when it goes by, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was, that, was that driver? Was that car? I mean, how equally prepared were those cars? Well, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Did it also have the wood chopper thing? Because that wasn't the no, uh, the... no, this was newer than that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Those were the those were the diamond four, I think. Yeah, it would have been the diamond. Four. I think it. Was. Yeah, Alan Gassett has the throwback diamond yeah. four. Um, whose idea was it for the wood chopper number four? Joe Tufts, I guess. And who's he? The 
guy that loved his cars. He used to be. So you brought it down to his professional shop yep. and said, you know, do this to my race car, and he came back with the wooden four. Yep. Yeah. So he had the foresight to do that. Yeah. I think that's pretty iconic. Yeah. And how many years did you run that? I couldn't tell you for sure. Mm-hmm. Is there any significance be- be- between the the di- the diamond four, or is that just a just a look that you guys went for? That's when Terry Wilkinson started. Helping. So Terry Wilkinson, uh, who was at Beechridge for years, yeah. um, is there a reason why that was a diamond four? He had the diamond be- diamond four before mm-hmm. I was born. And Terry did that. So. so basically, it was the original throwback. But when you started the diamond four. It wasn't, you weren't thinking Diamond 4, it's just the way the design worked out? I guess that's the way it happened. Who painted your first race car? Who designed it? Probably wasn't designed. It was probably <laughs> just a number on it. Yeah. So, um, you know, so you're raising a family uh, in the, you know, in the 70s, uh, and you're running the, the logging business, and you're racing multiple nights. Uh, tell me what your week was like. Long. <laughs> so what time, in, what time would you get up in the morning? Same time, 6 o'clock. Down the garage by 6. And, and then you go wherever the job is from there. And you go straight to the racetrack yeah. right afterwards, huh? Well, close. Bobby, you start racing in uh, in the late 70s at a pretty early age, about as early as you can race stock cars. It was the earliest you could. I turned 16 on July 3rd, and I started racing that night. Do you remember that that first night of racing? Yeah. It was dirt. Had an old Nova and stat in the late models. Really? So at that time they were running modified late models and limiteds? Yep. So you didn't start, why didn't you start in limiteds? Well, the year before <clears throat> when Calvin owned the track, it was the last race of the year, and we were going to buy Pee Wee Knight's limited car, oh, Daredevil, whatever they called them back then, and Stevie Reynolds had. Bob Reynolds' car, his late model, and after the last race, they were all, everybody was in the infield, just having a big party, I guess, and yeah. I was in Pee Wee's car, and Stevie was in Bear's car, and we were out there making laps until we ran out of gas. His father owned the track. We could do what we wanted, and we finished the night, and the next thing, I, I could start racing in July that following year. And ended up having a late model because he thought you'd get too many bad habits in the limited class. So were you able to run with each other right away? First night, yeah. Did you run not into each other, but did, you, did your paths cross at all during that first, those first couple of weeks? I don't think so because you had, you had to stat last for three weeks when you were a rookie, possibly more. He was quite a bit faster than I was. I was pretty much learning, and I don't know. We we had a couple good finishes that year, but it was only half a season. You know, Take yourself back to your 16-year-old self. What kind of dad was your dad when it came to helping you out at the racetrack? Was he competitor dad, or was he like, I'm going to help you out, dad? Both. <laughs> you know, he'd, anything we needed, he'd help us with it, but... When we're out on the racetrack, it, you know, he was he was going to try to beat everybody out there, not just me, but everybody. One of the biggest pieces of Beechridge history is that Don Brown accident you see with the 0-4 crunched up. 
Bob, you had a huge part in that. What, uh, what was that night like for you, and, and what part of that accident were you? It was actually a different accident. It's it, not the one I'm no, thinking of? not the one you're thinking, you're of. thinking Dawn, of. Dawn is. Dawn was in turn four where he hit. That's what I thought. I yeah. just thought maybe the story no, was no, being no. told differently. No. Uh, okay. Two different ones. He went into turn one upside down. My father did because of Dawn. He helped him, evidently. What do you remember about that crash? Is that the worst one you ever were in? No, I don't think so. I've had quite a few, but I can't remember them too well. The, uh, what was the worst crash that you were in? Well, I lost motor in the backstretch one night, coming right out of the car. That was at 124. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't born then. So right. <laughs> so your, your engine fell out of the race car. Oh, we rolled over. It was a hell of a And the crash. engine just kept on going. Yeah. Did the engine beat you that night? <laughs> it did eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my car either. So wait a minute, you had two race cars, but you were racing a different one? Yeah, down there in that class. What did you make of Bobby when he first started racing? In 79, did you think that was a good idea for a 16-year-old? Sure. Right on. What if he wanted to quit school? No, he probably <laughs> ought to in school. Yeah, I just did. <laughs> you know, and did you, were you working in the, uh, in the logging company? Were you working in the family company right away? Yeah. It was pretty much as soon as I got out of school. What were you, uh, what were you like as a student? I got by. Um, I didn't really care for school much. Uh, Looking back on it, it was easiest time of your life. But uh, when I was there, I didn't want to be there. Is there any any subject that interested you? I like the co-op, where I'd go mm. to school for an hour or two each day, and then go to work. One of our uh, alum here on Open Trailer Podcast and with Made Vintage, Bruce Elder, is a big part of that too. Did you work with Bruce? Yes, Bruce was he was the head of the co-op department at down at Wyndham and uh, the logging business was by the rules too dangerous for me to do and still be going to school so I'd work at I went to work at Hall Implement for two hours a week just to say I had a job and then I'd go to work for the logging. And how long do you race at Beach Ridge? You start in 79? Yeah I started in 79 I ran through 82 Went on the tour for a couple years, went to Oxford for three years, and then came back to Beechridge in 88. So let's, uh, let's go to the end of the 1981 season. Uh, how had your racing progressed by the end of 1981, do you feel? Were you, were you feel like you were ready for the next step? Not really. No? Not yeah, at the end of 82, I had, uh, they were having a lot of big races at Oxford at the time. and I, I think we pretty much decided... We were going to buy a rear end. We went down to Dick McCabe's one night and was going to buy a rear end out of his place and uh, build a car for Oxford for some of the open shows. It was it was back when Timmy Barton was around. That's how it started. Me and him went down to buy the rear end, and Dick only had one extra rear end, and that was in his championship car. So basically, hey... I got a rear end for you, but you got to buy the car. <laughs> it was pretty much that. He took us down into the house garage, and the car was up on jack stands, and hmm. it looked pretty cool. And but we just did you fall it. in love with that car right then and there? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and we bought that. And well, that car has some history too, doesn't it? Yeah, um, that's the car that Butch Lindley ran out of fuel at the two fifty with 
with a lap to go, leading it. And uh, Dick wanted to know why he got lapped four times by that goddamn car because <laughs> he had good, good equipment. Right. And, uh, he bought it off Butch and found out why he got lapped so many times. Well, I have to ask. You can't just put it out there and not have a follow-up question. It's probably running in the gray area a lot. Was that with um, chassis setup, yeah. with, well, with tubing, or chassis parts? Okay. Yeah. So you get on the tour in 1982, um, and you're still, you know, pretty young dude. You're what 19 when you start? Yeah. Your tell me about your very first tour race in 1983. The first race we went to went to the Spring Green. Up in up to Catamount, which Hawaii. was a big big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. They they had a car show in Burlington that they shut the streets down for. It was a mm. big deal. But you know, I was nineteen. We had an old school bus. Cut the back out of it and loaded the car up. Had twelve or thirteen people that went. Stopped at Mangino's sandwich shop in North <coughs> London and got a bunch of beer and. Headed for Vermont. Who's on your crew at this point? Um, one of my cousins, Don Lebu. We call him Hum. Uh, hum? Hum. Yeah. And then we had Little Hum, which was his brother and a cousin. Can you of imagine mine. walking around? I'm Little Hum. Yeah. A cousin <laughs> of mine, Goose. Goose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Goose. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, we'd, we didn't know anything. All we'd ever raced was dirt and headed for Catamount. I hadn't seen any of the tracks we'd ever been to. Mm-hmm. And you guys didn't even race Catamount that day, did no, you? No, uh, it was actually for the weekend. We went up on Friday just to make sure the bus made it because 12 or 13 people, they could have pushed it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we went out and stayed, stayed in Burlington that night, went to the car show the next day. We had 16 inches of snow that night, and... Uh, so we didn't we didn't race, but right. uh, probably had a good time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mulkern was there, and uh, Scott Mulkern. Yeah, yeah, while it was snowing, he had had an outdoor pool, and uh, he had the diving board in the pool trying to do some surfing, which <laughs> that didn't work either. So. No, did you guys get stuck with the bill for that? No, no. He wasn't on my crew at the time. Oh, he, he was with Griff. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, so. He could do anything he wanted. It wasn't my problem. So this is going to be the first time that you're on your own because you've been running with your dad the whole time. Yeah. What was it like to be on your own? We didn't know any better. Hmm. Had, had what we had for money, and we were going to have a good time. And 1983 is a pretty big year in NASCAR North because not only are you running for Rookie of the Year, you, uh, you know, there's some big money coming into that tour at this mm-hmm. time. Who were some of the people that you were running up against? Oh, Jesus. Well, McCabe, for one, he was... Yeah. Did he help you out? Yeah. Yeah, he, he had a lot of advice. Uh, Stub Fadden, Cabana, um, Robbie Crouch. Uh, we used to have 40 to 50 cars every single race. Hmm. There was probably 15 Canadian teams, and they were good, a lot of them. Uh, Lord, uh Yvonne Bedard. I said good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Roger Leper. Oh, boy, Roger. Yeah, double knot frog. One driver isn't from Canada, but he has, uh, you know, he's from Connecticut, and he's running against Rookie of the Year for you, yeah. uh, with you. Um, tell me about uh, running against Randy LeJoy. It was good. Uh, he had 
Snowman Construction. They had all the money they needed, had a cop crew chief. Like I say, we were we're a bunch of dubs. And uh, what kind of budget were you running this year on that year? Pretty much what I brought in each week. You know, race to race. Then, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Pretty and much. who's sponsoring? Um, Hall. On my car? Yeah. No, on my car was only... This Bab? The Bab. Yeah. I think that was the only one on the car that year. Yeah. But, uh, no, we we had a good time. Uh, me and Randy went back and forth in the rookie points all year long until I got wrecked and hurt at Oxford. And What happened there? Someone had blown up. I, I, I don't remember the day, but I think it was Don Brown blew up. And Jeez, Don Brown's screwing everything up for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, you ever race Don Brown? Nope. No? I come out of four and hit the wall. I was airborne when I hit, I guess. And Where, in, in the front stretch at yeah, Oxford? Yeah, four. Jeez, that's turn a four. Yeah. And, uh, I know they took the car off on their forklift and put it on put it on George's trailer at the time because we couldn't put it in the bus. And I guess McCabe and D'Amico and them were overlooking the car over because I had Dick's motor in because we had, I was out to prototype getting fresh in for Dover mm. in a couple weeks and uh, I wanted to know if they wanted to buy it. And When I started asking them if they wanted to buy their own motor, they figured I ought to go to the hospital and get checked out. What was your uh, your first interaction with Tom Curley? Tom was great. He wanted everybody to feel welcome, and he'd make sure you were. And if you needed anything, he'd help you out, you know. He was a racer's racer. That's cool. Yeah. So you guys, you and Randy, one of the things you have in common is that you're second-generation drivers. Yeah. Uh, did you guys talk about your dad's racing at all? A little bit, probably, uh, you know, if we needed if we needed parts and stuff, we'd go down to their junkyard and get what we needed. You know, bumpers and all yeah. that. I it was mostly for my father's car. You know, because they'd have Don a, Brown's wrecking them every week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd have the aftermarket aluminum bumpers and stuff down to the junkyard, and we'd mm. go down there and get it for his stuff. But uh, no, we if we had a party up here, Randy and his crew would come up, and if they had one down in Norwalk. We'd head down there. Wow. Bob, did you know Bob LaJoy at all? Did you guys... Um, Don LaJoy. Don LaJoy, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys... Uh, real well, then, you said? No, I didn't know him real oh, well. Oh, okay. I knew Randy real well. Yeah. He used to stay at the house once in a while, too. Yeah. Yeah. Probably had to. He's yeah. partying with you guys. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's blown the headlights out of a few cars in Florida with us. Oh, <laughs> man. Were you down there Speed Weeks when he had that big wreck in the cup car? Yes, I yep. was. That was pretty scary. Um I went to the hospital and see him. He was he was doing all right, but did you see the wreck happen oh, yeah. yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, just see a friend go in like that. It's, well, you're still 20 years old when yeah. that happens. Yeah, yeah. It was. Do you remember what happened that led up to it? He just got sideways coming out of four, and mm. of course there was grass back then on the inside. There was wasn't the runoff that <coughs> was hot top that there is now, and. Car lifted up and all four wheels hit on the wall. Yeah, all four wheels hit right flat, flat on the wall. And if he was any higher, he would have gone right in the garage area. It was 
was mm. a hell of a rack. Uh, looking at your stats from 83, part of the year, things really pick up for you. You know, you mentioned <coughs> that you're, you're actually you're giving Randy LeJoy a good run for his money. Aside from uh, Val Valvolaire and Sinair, where the finishes are outside of the top 15, I mean, you're knocking off top 10 at Oxford, uh, another 11th place, you know, 13th at Claremont. And, um, you know, you guys are really picking up steam at the end of the year. And, and that brings you into 1984. How prepared were you for 84? I bought a brand new Freddie Rosner car back then. And that had rear steer on it. And we just didn't get the car figured out. We went okay at times, but... Did you wreck the other car? Wreck the other oh, car? Yeah, the other it car was, was done. Junk. Yeah, yeah. Junk. There was nothing left. And uh, we ran 84 most of the year. I didn't run the whole year. Wasn't getting anything out of it and decided to cut back and run some dirt because I, I had my Beechridge car still. And, so uh, you're running the late model sportsman up at, at yeah, Oxford. Yeah. And you're running up against. And this is no weekly class. This is Leland Kangas. This is Mike Rowe, yeah. Jimmy Burns, yeah. and Billy Clark. Yeah. And, and what Bruce was it like? Haley. Yeah, Bruce Haley. What was it like against those guys every single week? It was tough. It was tough. Uh, you know, Kelly was there at the time. Ah, Kelly Moore, and, uh, yeah. Just, it was a tough class. And uh, we held our own with them. We, we won some races and went back in 86, won some more. And, and then in 87, uh, I ran about half a year, and uh, I'd gone out to Las Vegas for a week just to go. Yeah. And when I was coming back, I had heard the race car had been sold. What happened? Um, we had won, won a couple races with it, and uh, I don't know what the deal was but Bratton sold the car and <laughs> I got back on a Saturday morning ready to race yeah ready to race I went to the shop and uh, he told me they had sold it so I told him who was, bought the car O'Connor's they bought it for Jimmy Burns oh yeah and uh, I told him they, it was my motors my transmissions a lot of my Money. tools, and yeah. I took all that stuff. And the following week, I called Craig Hill out of Conway, New Hampshire, Hills RVs, and uh, he raced, and he did a good job, but he didn't win, and asked him if I could run the car. Is that you, 23? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason being, they used to give $100 a lap that you led at the end of the year for the year. Wow plus a bonus, and uh, I was leading that, and I called Craig and went out and looked at the car and drove it, and I won the first night out in it, and then uh, he wanted to drive it the next week because he was with Dick Glines and Robbie Crouch and them guys, and they used to ride his ass because hmm. he hadn't won, and I did, and he drove it that night, and I drove someone else's, and uh, the following week he figured put me back in it and we won three out of the next six <laughs> won the lap leader deal and mm -hmm. we split that money and the point money and stuff That's what was uh, your experience with the oxford 250 probably my first one was 83 with that tour car and we qualified fourth won a heat race and 
I ended up 13th. It was it's not bad. We ran we ran good the whole race, but hmm. pit stops were weren't our specialty. You right. know. Were you using a four-way or something? No, I don't know. We might have had an air gun. I don't know about that. Probably had an air gun. Yeah. Well, there was a rule at some point you couldn't use an air gun. Like, yeah. way, that's way back in yeah. the day. Yeah. And then uh, 85, 84 was actually the year that me and Kelly got kicked out. I guess he brought that up on your podcast. Well, let's hear your side of it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear what his side was. Yeah. So. Well, but just no, tell your side. We're in a concy. Both of us were qualified. Took three. We're running second and third. Not an awful long le- time left in the race. Had a had some distance on fourth, and I felt I got used up and turned around. And when I come back on the track, they didn't have a yellow. When I come back on the track, I rode around third gear just riding slow. And Kelly caught me, and he wasn't going to go by because yeah, no. he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Well, the whole field went by, so he didn't qualify either. And when we finished the race, I waited until the start-finish line with the check it out, and I popped it in neutral and locked the brakes up and stove his car all to hell at the start-finish line. And when we were coming in the pit, because you used to pit on turn three up there, I could hear a car coming. I said, oh, man, I looked up just as he got to me, and I mm. turned to go in the pit, and he spun me right into the pits, and Bear was there to ask us to not race anymore. <laughs> How long did you get kicked out for that? That day. Just that day, that's it? Yeah. 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 <coughs> and did you have any run-ins with Bob Bear besides that? No. Um, they were always good guys. We knew them anyways, and... They were to the point. If they told you something, that's the way it was. You, you'd never need a contract with either one of them. Their word was their word. You know. um, Bob, did you ever run the 250? Yeah. What I was that? Just like you did. Yeah. 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 Brad, what's your best finish in the 250? Bad. Yeah? <laughs> Not 13? No. No. I, I've tried it four times, made it twice wrecked in the heat the other time one of the other times and blew the mm. motor in a qualified spot the other time that I didn't make it and one of the times that I made it I had a tire come apart 20 or 30 laps into the race so I was three or four laps down before we had another caution and the other time that I made it um, Larry Gelinas blew a tire and cleaned oh. me out 20 laps into the race so just bad experience things happen yeah Bob did you ever run the Getty Opens yep what was that like? I mean, the Getty Opens pre- predated the 250. That was when Tibbetts and all them guys were still good. What was the atmosphere with, with those races? <laughs> In stage number two, we get into Bradley's racing. And while they've certainly made their name in the state of Maine, one of Brad's greatest accomplishments comes in Vermont. Did you feel the crowd was with you that day? At the end of the race, definitely. I mean, mm. they, the place pretty much went nuts when I got to Victory Lane. And it was it was really special, you know, to be able to win that one for the LeCares. It's a cool story, and it's next time out on Open Trailer Podcast. I'm Andy Austin. Talk to you next time.